Welcome to the Religious Renegade Podcast. My name is Christina Carlson, and I am a life coach, podcast host, and ex-evangelical. On this podcast, I am dedicated to sharing stories and having conversations that honor what we have been through while looking to the expansiveness of the future that has so many possibilities. I love nuance and mystery and do not live in the black and white, so you may discover new ways of seeing things, new ideas, and some things that may stretch you a little. My wish for you in listening to this is that you envision a more expansive future for yourself while feeling seen for who you are and where you have been. I'm so glad that you're here. Hello everyone and welcome back to Religious Renegade. I am so excited to share with you today's episode with Aaliyah Lovely. Aaliyah is an energy oracle card reader, energy coach, and podcast host of Spiritual Shit. This is such an expansive conversation. Uh, We talk about ghosts and spirit and energy and guides and Aaliyah's journey out of fundamentalist religion and into her own spirituality that has always been with her and honestly this conversation was so expansive for my heart and the beliefs that she carries are so beautiful. I really was inspired by this conversation and I was so excited for you to hear it. Um, So without further delay please enjoy the show and afterwards I would love for you to let me know what you liked most about this episode in comments or in my DMs. Enjoy the show. So, hello, Leo. Welcome to Religious Renegade. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on. Yeah, I would love to start by just hearing um, what your religious background is. Uh, well, I grew up, um, you know, very close to Southern Baptist Christian. And uh, I grew up in a really small church, a small community of about less than 50 people where um, we had a very dogmatic, (laughs) I would say, uh, pastor. My dad was a a deacon or someone in the church, a minister of some sort, but not like officially. Uh, It's just we had such a small community. Everybody kind of played a role. My mom was the choir director. Um, She played the piano and did all the music. So naturally, we were all, you know, the the minions that played in the plays and did all the specials (laughs) and Christmas stuff or whatever. So I was very, very involved in the church. And then when I was uh, in college, I went to a a Christian college, William Jewell, um, and then kind of broke off and then, you know, became a hellion, I guess. (laughs) No. what's what's a hellion what was the word my mom used um, oh, okay <laughs> it's not a hellion it was I, I'll, it'll come to me but um <laughs> I essentially broke away from the church when I was about 25 or so um upon going to different school and then moving uh overseas to London and then experiencing a whole like plethora of new types of people and really wow. having my bubble burst so when you when you went to travel you said your bubble was burst or did it happen before then there it was definitely in process um when I went to William John College um I remember that there were a few teachers that were really asking us to do some critical thinking and it's so funny that I go back to them now as like wow I really wish I'd paid attention in their classes because um they were talking about philosophy and and spirituality and things Mm-hmm. Um, that I just wasn't ready to confront at that point, at that time. Um, yeah. There was a class that we had called Intro into the Bible. 
And we, so me and my friends would call it intro to blasphemy because <laughs> our teacher <laughs> was trying to teach us other principles that were, you know, to stretch our yeah. mind, grow ourselves. Um, yeah. And so then after I got out of school, um, I started doing a lot of traveling. I met my, my now ex-husband, who was my, my boyfriend at the time, uh, who lived in Poland. And so I did a lot of traveling, but we did traveling back and forth. And then that eventually landed us both in London. And so while being there, um, getting to know all these different people and different cultures and um, just getting a, you know, a different view of the world in general, it was really interesting because I was, I was meeting these people that I was like, how is it that they're going to hell? Like there's some mm. of the kindest, nicest people that I'd ever met and yeah. the people that give you the shirt off their back. And, mm. and I just, it just didn't like, there was like that, you know, the crumbling was starting to happen. Then I lost a lot of my friends when they found out I was living with my boyfriend and mm. they were like, you know, Oh, like, that's not a good look basically. And, um, and basically stopped talking to me altogether. Like Lee is not on the right path. And I, and then upon my mom finding out, cause like she, <laughs> I don't know how naive some people are, but I, told her that when I got there, I was going to get my own place. And if anybody's ever lived in, you know, a New York or London or Paris or something like that, you realize how expensive it is to mm -hmm. live there. And yeah, so yeah. me getting my own place was just not feasible when I was unable to get a visa and a job. So I was like, well, I'm going to be staying with him. And my mom had this very, um, it's really interesting to look back at now because me and my mom are like best friends, but she had just this, this response that seemed so cut off from who she was as a person. And she, she cut me off. Basically. She called me a few names. She said I was a bad example for my sisters and she thinks that I should come home. And I was like, I'm 25 years old. I'm not coming home. I'm not doing shit. And like, it was just this like very much, uh, of me asserting myself as an adult mm. and, uh, upon her very strong judgment and, assumption that I had already slept with my boyfriend. Like I hadn't slept with him. We lived together for five months and I went like, we, I was keeping it quote unquote pure. I still had my sure. quote unquote morals, whatever. Um, and since she had already assumed that I was all of these things, um, I was like, well, fuck it. I guess we'll have sex. <laughs> you know, like it was just like the yeah. breaking of all of it. It was like, finally I'd had this like very late bloomer type of rebellion, uh, mm. that had started and, and it spun me in this 180, really. Of, of trying to go, okay, like I do not want to be a part of anything that fashions itself uh, as love, as caring, as, you know, the way, the light that makes you feel so terrible. That makes you feel so cut off from people that are supposed to love you. Like I was, I'm, I'm, you know, 24, 25 living in a foreign country by myself and my parents telling me they don't want to talk to me anymore. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, Ooh, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, and obviously my parents have apologized since and uh, we've uh, repaired our relationship, but even myself being a new mom, I can't imagine being in any type of anything club, like religion, spirituality, whatever that would, would uh, cause me to treat someone I loved that way. Yeah. Having, having a kid really shifts that, doesn't it? Yes. Like it's a, it's a whole new, it's a whole new perspective. Yeah. I, as soon as I had my, uh, my daughter, she's three and a half mm. and I just like literally as soon as she was put in my arms, I was like, none of this makes sense anymore. Uh -huh. Like I had already, it was already, you know, falling away, but like literally looking at her face, I was like, fuck, I don't like, yeah. no, <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> no, none of it. None of it. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. And I mean, I just, 
I have traveled and been in different countries, but I have not lived in other countries. But I do know in being there, especially a country where there's um, just like every every culture is different. And that can be isolating in yeah. a lot of ways because you are you're not from there or there's just different things that make you feel out of place. And having your parents say like, you know, completely reject you and also misunderstand you because right. clearly you were you are still trying to live the pure life in this, <laughs> in this scenario. And, oh. and they, and they completely, they completely missed that as well. They missed your goodness essentially. And I'm just curious, like if, if in that time, like what, what you drew on for, for strength. What I drew on for strength. That's a great question. You know, while I was there, uh, it was, it was just this really impactful shift. I think that happened um, when when you lose your faith, there's kind of this identity crisis that happens where uh, you feel like the floor is pulled from underneath you. And in the midst of this floor being pulled from underneath me, I'm going, well, like, what is, what is the, you know, I'm having very existential crisis. Like, what is the meaning of life? If this is not it, this, this is, you know, completely pointless. I even become an atheist for a few years where I was like, all right, I guess this is it. Like you just you go up and then you die, you know? Um, and that was not my true belief. It was just me being so much in, in pain, uh, mm -hmm. from having, or for feeling like I've been one lied to, but two, just having this kind of structural framework being torn away. Um, not only that, my partner at the time, he was telling me, uh, he was like, have you ever heard of the council of Nicaea? And oh. I started looking through some of this, this framework or whatever about like how the, the Roman Catholic church put together the books of the Bible. And then they had burned a whole bunch of other books and it was just like a thing, like, this is our canon and this is what we put together. And I was like, no, wait a minute. Why have I not heard of this before? And knowing that a group of men had gotten together, men in power that were like, mm, let's decide what goes in this book and what doesn't. To me, I was like, what, 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 why would you burn the rest of the book? So for me, that was a really like, I had a very cataclysmic confrontation with that idea. And I was like, oh, mm. fuck, no, 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 this is not for me. It was literally like a 180 from there. Anyway. Mm. Um, so drawing on strength, um, you know, it was, it was really just in, in the time period I got, I just lost myself, um, okay. in, you know, my travels and like, okay, this is what our relationship is going to look like with the person I was with at the time. And I threw myself into this space, um, where I was in limbo, you know, like the strength came more from the entertainment of the novelty of living in a different country. Mm -hmm. Um, so every day, every struggle was a little bit different, looked a little bit different. And, um, you know, me always kind of envisioning or trying to imagine what the future was going to look like at the time. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, it didn't help me get any closer to myself. So I was in this kind of destructive mode, I would say, um, mm -hmm. for a good year after that. Uh, then my partner at the time, uh, ended up having a brain aneurysm. And so like him coming really close to death, I feel very much was a part of my I would say awakening even, um, I hate using that word, but like, it's, it's like trendy. Um, <laughs> it was a big part of me opening back up to myself and my emotions. I had gotten very used to being positive poly and, you know, trying to be a good mm -hmm. example in the church and things to not acknowledge real emotions, real negativity, mm -hmm. real depression, real trauma, and kind of like sweeping it under the guise of like, Oh, Jesus will take care of it. So like, you're fine. Like, you know, don't worry about those things. Um, mm -hmm. so when that happened, there was just this like gushing almost of just real emotions that I'd suppressed from even childhood that started mm -hmm. to show up. And 
I think that during that particular time, I leaned on friends. I had some really great friends at the time who uh, let me stay with them, live with them when I moved back to the States. And um, they were also going through kind of a shift. There there were friends of mine who we all came up in the church together. And then they were all going through a breakdown at the same time that I was. And so it was very timely that we were all like, so what the fuck is this? And we start asking (laughs) each other questions and going back and forth and, um, you know, really Uh taking like, like midnight, you know, talking until midnight about this and that. And what do you think about this? Why don't believe this anymore? You know, and through that process of, um, you know, debate, confrontation, discussion, Socratic method, you know, um, I came to a new realization of like what it meant to be me. And then um, I was, I was at the gym one day and I was like, you know, I'm just feeling negative every day. And I'm feeling really upset about like this, this continual loss that I've been feeling. And um, I remember like, like no other, I was on the treadmill and I just typed up like, you know, positive thinking, how to get positive again. And the secret came up. Have you heard of the secret? (laughs) It sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know. It is like super uber popular and like kind of like a bad way now, but uh, the secret is like uh, the manifestation, basically law of attraction kind of stuff. Oh, okay. So anyway, it's it's like like the hyper positivity, like hyper bypassing stuff, right? Yes. Well, at the time it was, it was, we didn't know that that's what that was. It was the, the first wave I would say of people starting to understand what manifestation was. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of me starting to kind of dip my toe into what is energy? How does energy work? And I'm, I'm leaving out a massive part here. (laughs) I just realized, um, from a kid, like I was able to see spirits, ghosts, uh, had dreams about people, things coming true. Okay. I'm glad you circled back because I was going to say like, when did this start for you? Because, (laughs) because I want to know, like, I want to know tiny Olio, like what was, what was your first experience with stuff like this? Okay. Um, so the, the, the interesting part and how this all kind of inter interweaves itself is that when I was a kid, I often remember, um, talking to spirits or seeing like my guardian angel, I would call it, um, people, you know, that I just thought that everybody could see. And, uh, at some point when I was about, I mean, I always kind of said it in passing, but I didn't think too much of it because it seemed normal to me. It wasn't something I was super scared of. Um, I did used to get these really crazy headaches around the times that I would see them. And so my parents were like, is something wrong? Like, I mean, up from five until I was nine years old, I would get these insane headaches, um, migraine level, like just really take me out. My parents, uh, we went to go see somebody, uh, CT or scan or something like that. And they're like, nothing wrong with her. Um, maybe it's just growing pains, they would say. And it would always be right here, like right here in the third eye space. And then mm. all the way there, there, all the way to the back of my head. So when I was having some of these mystical experiences, I would notice that they would start to correlate. Mm. And I was nine, you know, like who's make, connecting the dots and be like, I think my headaches have to do with these people that I'm seeing. Um, <laughs> right. But <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. So anyway, um, when I was 10, I had this experience that was like really scary where um, my, I thought my mom was coming into my bedroom and to, to like mess with me, basically. My parents were kind of pranksters. And okay. so like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be unseemly for them to be like, oh, oh, oh we're going to come get you, you know, <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, and run into the bedroom and it would just be like a funny thing. So then when this particular night, uh, there was someone who came into my room who I could have sworn was my mom and they walked in. And I remember thinking like, I can't hear their feet. Like, I can't hear her feet. That's weird. Um, and she stood over my bed and I thought, well, she's not going to get me. Like, she's not going to, you know 
scare me. I'm going to act like I'm fine, you know? And while I'm sitting there, uh, it starts to get really scary. And I just like energy wise, like, you know, you're sensitive Mm. as a child, like we're taught how to be less sensitive as we get older, but as children, we're very like sensitive to those things and shifts in energy. And so I'm sitting there and I'm going, something don't feel right about this. And so I pull my covers over my head and I feel the face get closer to me, like hovering over my face to the point I can feel breath and hear like that kind of noise. And so I'm sitting there for what feels like an, an eternity, probably 20 minutes or so. And then when I finally feel the breath fade, and I don't know what, what inside of me decided that I wasn't going to scream or yell or cry. Um, I pull the covers down watching her walk away. And then she turns over real quick over the shoulder and then the door slams. So I'm like in my head as my childhood, fuck them. Why do they think that, you know, like that was okay. That was not all right. You know, like (laughs) yell at them tomorrow when it's not dark outside. And so when I got up the next morning, I went up to my dad and was like, dad, mom was in our room messing with us, messing with the door. And he was like, no, I heard you guys playing with the door. You guys are going to get in trouble because you guys were up running around all night and whatever. So we're both like, you know, that Spider-Man meme where both of them are pointing at each other. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, we were both like, no, it was you. Is it you? my mom was like, I wasn't in the house. And I start crying. Cause I was like, I know you're in the room. You came in the room and you did this. So you did that. Oh, well, maybe you had a nightmare. No. Like, so you feel like you're being gaslit. Right. So my dad then pulls me aside and he says, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I know what this is. I see them too. So I'm like, you see who too. <laughs> <laughs> so he explains to me like, um, at night when he sees certain, you know, entities and things like that how to wish them away um they're demons and this is you know jesus will protect you and like those kinds of things so i had always seen my gifts as dangerous um that this is like an opening for the devil i shouldn't be able to see these things this is something i don't want so somewhere in that that time frame i was able to shut my sight down like completely um, so I wasn't able to see anymore. I still heard things. I can still hear things now very clearly. Um, but I can't see very well anymore as far as like seeing entities, angels, things like that. Um, so like, like kind of, you know, that disappeared. And then, um, I would always have dreams when I was a kid, uh, when uh, things, and then they would come true. So my mom would ask me, you know, like, what well, did you have a dream last night? Or did you have a dream about this or, you know, whatever, because they would ultimately find out later, or maybe a couple months later, something like that. Well, he had a dream about that. And so, um, that continued to happen. Then once my grandparents passed away, they both, I had visitations from both of them, um, where they both came and gave messages and, uh, very accurate messages about like my mom and my, you know, parents and stuff like that. Um, my father, then one night, um, me and my grandfather, or sorry, I had a dream about my grandfather. Uh, he came to me and he said, uh, I came to you because you were the most open. And I came to you because, um, I want to, I want you to tell your father, when you wake up that Yachty says hi. So when my dad was little, he used to call, uh, well, he still called him Yachty because he couldn't say daddy. And mm-hmm. so I, when I woke up the next morning, I got up and I said, oh man, I had a dream about grandpa last night. And he shot out of his bed and he said, what did he say? And I, before I could finish, he said, Yachty said hi. And I said, yeah. And he said, I, I had a dream about him. Oh, I'm getting chills. I had a dream about <laughs> him last night. And he said that he was going to come to my oldest daughter to tell me that I said hi, so you would know that this wasn't a dream. Wow. So that to me scared the pants off of me. Yeah. 
because I was like, I'm just thinking I'm having this dream. And, and it's like, it's like, so, so felt so legit. And so, yeah. So since then, you know, like it's kind of, it, it had been like very intermittent here and there, but because of my faith, there wasn't space in my faith to have these types of gifts. You know, there was like the gift of prophecy, the gift of this, but like, don't be seeing no ghosts, you know? Cause they're like, that's mm. of the devil. That's demonic. It's those, nope. That was not your grandmother. That was a demonic entity trying to convince you that this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, so even to this day, my parents still hold the same beliefs. Uh, I have dreams about my grandmother. I have mediums that I talk to or whatever. And my mom never wants to hear about them. Even though my grandmother's trying to give her messages because she was like, we don't know who that is that you're talking to. And I'm like, mm. well, it's your mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, so since then, like I, I still have some of those kind of capacities. Uh, I still hear quite a bit. Um, I get a lot of like very high tone frequency noises when uh, spirit is around. And so I can usually kind of key in and look around and make my awareness uh, to pay attention uh, if someone is trying to deliver a message or a lot of times it'll come in, in the form of a download of some sort. Mm. Well, I'm very curious, like, um... I just like, I'm so full of questions. I got chills like five times. I, I, I'm just so, it's so interesting because um, growing up in that environment, you were, like you said it perfectly, there was no room. There was no space for it to be anything else other than what they said that it was. And it was like pretty, a pretty small like parameter. And I, I was always told like, oh, you have the gift of discernment or yeah. like, you, you know, like words that they would like, it fits in this box. But it right. can't look like that. You know, if you saw something, it wasn't it wasn't what you thought or um, whatever. But I'm I'm curious, like after after all of that and you said you went through like a year where you believed that you were like you you were an atheist and you didn't believe in anything. Um, and then when you read the book, uh, The Secret, like what? how from there did you start like, uh, I don't know, reconnecting with yourself and uh, reconnecting with a spirit and and also was that was that triggering for you because of those those like faith blocks that used to exist there yeah well it was a really long road from from that point until where I am now but um the when it was probably about 2011 I would say so 10 years um where the that first year that was when I got married um, to that, that person that I was with when I lived in London, um, that is around the same time I started learning about manifestation and learning about energy. So I became a real student because I didn't have anything to believe in at the time. And I thought, well, what is this mumbo jumbo? This is interesting. Let me play with this. And I started to see how it worked. Like I started to see, I was able to manifest, you know, bigger, better, you know, things in my life. And, um, and I became a real student about energy. Like I, I, I love metaphysics, you know, and out of, obviously metaphysics is kind of a gateway <laughs> to new age and all kinds of other stuff. Um, so I started looking into energy and then, um, my, my ex-husband, he was uh, very practical. He's an engineer, you know, whatever. And when we moved into the first house that we bought together, I started to have a host of these kind of ghost experiences. My grandma died at that time. So she would come in visitation. Things would be thrown about the house. There's footsteps all the time upstairs. There would be doors that would open um, in front of everybody. Like, like people we had guests over one day um, and the front door flew open. And mind you, the door that we had, I mean, it was about, you know, 10 inches, almost seven inches, something like that 
thick, like of just yeah. solid wood. So like this door's not flying anywhere. Not to mention <laughs> it's like a little, like when you walk in like a, a rug to rub your feet on. So there was always like some friction to get the door open. Right. And we were all sitting there and the door just flung open as if it was paper. And I was like, did y'all see that? Like, did I, am I, I'm not the only one, right? Um, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Me and my ex were arguing one time because uh, before he come home, I was downstairs and the, um, I had a makeup kit that would sit on the edge of the, uh, on the, the back of the toilet. And uh, twice it flew off. I heard it, but I didn't see it. Flew off into our bedroom, out of the bathroom, into the bedroom with the door open. So that's a good like eight feet or so. <laughs> and I'm like, this didn't slide off. You know, this like flew off. And he's like, oh, it's, you know, the, the house is settling. It probably just slipped off and rolled or something. And I'm like, ain't no way. Okay. <laughs> so we're arguing about it. And I'm like trying to measure the distance. I'm like, look from here, from here. there's no way it could come or whatever in front of our very eyes. It flies off the toilet again. And then, and he, he immediately jumps into bed, pulls the covers up and he's like, I'm scared to sleep. And I'm like, right. Are you <laughs> stop gaslighting me? You know, <laughs> my dog, even like she would send stuff before it would happen. She would get up and stand up right before all of the shampoo bottles would fall off the, the, the tub. Like there was always there all kinds of stuff that would happen in the house. So for me, there was a, it was an interest. Cause I was like, well, I used to have interaction with this stuff. I'm not super scared of it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm obviously entertaining it. We're living in this home. Um, I'm just curious, like about like what, you know, like what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, yeah. so then we took this big move to New York city and when we moved there, I was already like completely done with this relationship at this point. And so when I finally mustered up enough guts to, to leave the marriage, cause mind you, like this, this particular person was a very narcissist. Uh, mm -hmm. diagnosable narcissist. I believe that the brain injury he sustained changed his personality significantly. And it only got mm -hmm. worse with time. Um, you know, God bless him if, if he's okay now, but like, it was a very toxic marriage for me. Um, mm -hmm. so while getting out of a very abusive and toxic situation, um, that's when I believe I had another, you know, awakening, if you will. Um, people always talk about awakening, like it's this light ship, light switch that comes on and off. And I'm like, no, it's just this widening of a spectrum, uh, mm -hmm. a narrow spectrum that then starts to expand over time. And so um, when I was in New York, then I'm, it was just like, from there, it was like, I was a, a goner, if you will, as far as uh, <laughs> spirituality goes, because it was the complete open door. Everything had been stripped away. And mm -hmm. at that point, spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it, God aligned me with people that would help me on my path. And so, um, a guy who I've had on my show named Dustin James was the first person I interacted with because I was like, yeah, I have these dreams and like things kind of come true. And I'm kind of interested in this and I have these sensitivities and he was something who was a practicing psychic. Mm. I never really talked to anybody who had done stuff like that before. And we ended up becoming good friends and just really talking and discussing about like, you know, what do you see and what do I see? And like, what happens here or what happens there? And so, uh, with being in New York, it was really amazing because there was so much room to be whoever you wanted to be. So if you mm. wanted to go up to someone and say, oh, I'm a psychic and people would be like, yeah, me too. And it's like, it was no big deal. You know, <laughs> I played with that. I was like, okay. And I started to go to different meditations. I started to check out crystal healing and Reiki healing and sound baths and like, you know, the, the gamut really, like there's so much available to, to me in New York city. 
And, um, and yeah, like I was just like the smorgasbord of just like, oh, I'm going to try this thing. And oh, I like that. Oh, nope, that doesn't taste good. Let's try this one. Um, and being able to ha- have like my own playground really to express uh, who I was and figure out what it is that I was meant to offer the world, uh, you know, and that's where I believe I regained my definition of God back. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, I don't, whether you return to yourself or you return to your higher self, or you return to the universe, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it gave me uh, a foundation of identity to be able to, to start my life again. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's how I got to this space. That's so, that's so beautiful. I really love that you use the word play mm-hmm. um, because, because the way that um, it sounds like we were both raised, it was so rigid by comparison. Mm-hmm. Aren't you like the guiltiest child? Yeah, so much shame <laughs> over like fucking everything. Yeah, you know it's really funny. It was maybe about two years ago. I had a conversation with a friend that um, I was saying something like because I probably like completely left things as soon as my daughter was born. So about three and a half years ago, and it was it wasn't too long after that I had a conversation with this friend, and I was like, well, like super hesitant around spiritual stuff I kind of did what you did and like did the atheist flip for a hot yeah. minute and was like fool me science and hard facts <laughs> um and I said I just don't want to get it wrong and right. they were like they were like that sounds so religious and I was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's the same <laughs> and yeah. I they literally they told me they were like how about you just play with it mm-hmm. and see and and I it sounds like from from your story like the way you're describing it, it sounds like universe God was in pursuit of you because you moving into a house and like things flying all over the place is yeah. not, is not everybody's experience. <laughs> Someone was like, Hey, she can see this. Like, let's, let's roll. With it. Show her. <laughs> Show her all the things. Yeah. <laughs> Hello everyone, I am quickly interrupting this episode because I want to share with you what I do in coaching and what I'm offering. I am super passionate about coaching those who are ready to move beyond deconstructing their life, religion, and relationships and into living, enjoying, and being in their lives. I love to work with women and non-binary folk who have left religion behind or are so proud of what they've accomplished but you still find that you feel like something is missing and you found yourself asking the question, now what? Now, what do you want to build with your life? Uh, You find yourself overgiving still, uncertain how to find your own voice or access your own wisdom. And you're finding yourself saying yes when you want to say no and putting yourself last or at least not first. My one-on-one coaching series focuses on using questions, exercises, and goal setting to help you reconnect with your body and desires so you can move with confidence into the next stage of your life. If you are desiring confidence, purpose, and deep connection to yourself, I would love for you to visit my website at christinamcarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N. And I'll have that listed in the show notes. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. Um, I, I would love to hear like how this impacts like your daily life. If you have like a, a daily practice or... Um, just like uh, decisions that you make, how how does your uh, connection with spirit and with this, especially like this other side of things, affect how you go about uh, living your life? That's a great question. I love when people ask good questions. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who does podcasting, I, I appreciate <laughs> So 
when, when my daughter was born, I found that I got really out of my routines of things that I used to do. Yeah. Um, obviously for good reason, <laughs> uh, we haven't been sleeping very much lately. So there's that, but something that's important to me is to like, I'm a highly aware person. Like I'm, I'm very, I'm taking notes of things all the time. Someone's behavior, um, how they speak, you know, the changes in the weather, you know, whatever. It's just like something I've always kind of been super curious kid. And so mm-hmm. it's caused me to be, um, exceedingly observant. And so in my, my spiritual life, I am always open to spirit to show, you know, to show me something, uh, daily. I'm always going, what's that? You know, what was that thing? What did I see something out of the corner of my, you know, I'm, I'm almost looking for it in pursuit of it. Um, as you mm-hmm. so lovely put like that, they were in pursuit of me and now I'm in pursuit of them. But mm-hmm. I, I, I find that to be, to me, a deeply, uh, uh, meditative type of practice to take in the awarenesses, not always, obviously you can't be like on all the time. Um, sure. but when, when I make my intention, for instance, my home is a very, very important sacred space. And mm-hmm. so, um, to keep clutter to a minimum, you know, like I don't, we don't leave things messy for more than a day, um, to have the aesthetics in such a way that I'm free, uh, energetically of, of having that take up some of my space so I can continue mm-hmm. to observe. Uh, a daily practice that I do is I go through my house and say, thank you to the house. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you for housing, you know, my ancestors or whoever wants to be here Um, because the house itself has energy. And so the idea of connecting to this physical, to me, it's a physical, you know, entity is important because it is, you know, like we're cultivating our memories here, our family here. Um, This is a sacred space for us to live. And so I'm super, super thankful for the house that we've manifested. And so it is in my practice that I take care of this home, a spiritual practice that I take care of this home as a result of me uh, energetically taking care of myself kind of metaphorically. And mm-hmm. so that, and then um, obviously I have a meditation practice and I don't get to it as much as I'd like to these days, um, <laughs> but sitting down and really just listening. Uh, a couple of days ago, I sat down and um, listened for, uh, you know, guidance or listened for them to speak to me audibly. Uh, I say them and I mean spirit and, and any other entity who'd like to speak who's of the light. Um, but there was um, a moment I, I have this thing and this is, I don't know how to explain this. I'm just learning how to put words to it. But when I am really quiet, uh, I can hear all these varying tones and they're like frequency sounds, almost like you I don't know if you can hear it when, you know, when the TV is on, cause you can hear the frequency of the TV. It's yeah. kind of like that, but it's much louder to me. So yeah, during the normal day, I like, tend to like tune it out. Cause otherwise it's too loud. Um, I'm very sensitive to sound in general. So I would say my clip, my um, strongest Claire is Claire audience um, okay. because that's where I'm most sensitive. But anyway, I was sitting down and I was like, let me listen to the music of the universe. And there's these tones, these really strong tones that are coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And I don't know what they mean. You know, I don't know what, like, it's not like g- gorgeous music, <laughs> but it is these tones and frequencies. I feel that I'm being guided to learn what they mean. So that way I can better uh, distinguish or um, kind of even organize how messages are coming in and out, who's talking versus who's not. Um, I've heard that when angels speak to you or higher uh, level entities that, that you have to raise your vibration, they have to lower their vibration. And then sometimes what you end up hearing when you're not quite there is that high pitch frequency. 
And so I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be in the practice this year of trying to train myself to figure out how to get it where I can actually hear audibly again. So that's part of one of my practices. And then um, I write down my dreams. So I sit down, I have a dream journal. Um, there's a girl I interviewed, Athena Laz. She has a really cool book, The Alchemy of Dreams, um, that just, I'm in the process of reading it, but talks about lucid dreaming. Uh, since I am someone who naturally can astral travel well when, I've, when I try, when I have the concerted effort to try, which I haven't done in a long while, um, it's something like to be able to get lucid in your dreams, to be able to decipher messages from the universe or beyond. So um, that's become a uh, important practice to me to be able to start to look for meaning and patterns as well when spirit is trying to speak to me. Oh, that's so, that's so incredible. I, I got chills and tears when you said you walk around and say thank you to your house because that is a practice of mine as well. Oh, is it? <laughs> mm -hmm. I've always felt deeply connected to spaces and mm -hmm. like feeling the energy of, of that. And many of like the, the moments, even when I was in religion that I felt like deeply uh, spiritual, like God or something was like moving me. I was alone in a, in a space where I could feel the energy of that house. So That's I love beautiful. that. That's so much. I, I'm, uh, I'd be really curious to hear how the um, sound practice yeah. develops for you because I've heard things my whole life as well it's mm. I don't think it's my strongest sense but I've never I've never known what to do with it except for that I I hear it and understand it to be the sound of the earth the sound of what the sound of the earth oh the earth like, yeah. the earth is just doing something mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's it's living and breathing and yeah yeah <laughs> I can see that for sure incredible I have um a few more questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, I, I really loved, I read this in one of your posts. You wrote, what's meant for you won't miss you. Ooh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> I, just, I, I, it gives me chills because for me, this is, it's such an expansive belief um, coming from where we've come from, where you could miss God's will and you could miss the plan for your life and you could end up somewhere else horrible and scary and there could be no recovery yeah. the what's meant for you won't miss you is just like a hug <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just wondering if you could tell me uh, about that belief and how you came to know it to be true for yourself well I just got chills because it was it was a, a, a thing that came out of channeling you know like I've heard a lot of people say it since like in the last like couple of years I came upon this when I was in um, New York in 2000, what was that? 2017. And mm -hmm. I was sitting and I was crying because I was like, wow, like I really just, I blew up my marriage on purpose. I should have, it was the best decision ever made. Don't get me wrong, but separation was super hard. And mm -hmm. I was in this process. Of, I started dating like almost immediately. Like I was like, I think he moved out of the house that day. And I went on a date that night and I was like, yes, finally, let me get out of this. Uh, because I had known year one and we were together for five years um, that this was not a good partnership. So I think the, that whole time I was sitting there trying to manifest someone else. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> I was sitting there and I was crying because I was like, wow, like I just really feel like I'm doing it all wrong. And like, I really messed up my life and like now everything is ruined. And um, you know, how am I ever going to recover? And, you know, just this angel of a voice came in my head that says, what's meant for you won't miss you. And I thought, wow, like, 
you know, is, is that, is that for real? Like, is that what, is, is that what's you happening? Sure? <laughs> um, you know, and, and when I started to think about it, it, it resonated with me more and more. It was just kind of like this instant click of like, yeah, like most of the things that have happened in my life have been really good at being able to, to, to manifest in some way or another. Um, my friends used to call me Midas as a joke. Cause they were like, everything she does, she turns to gold and like, <laughs> except relationships, right? Like, so like my businesses, my travels around the world, like I had a really successful up tick when I started my photography business and everything that I was doing, everybody was looking uh, from the outside in and all the stuff that I was accomplishing and being like, wow, she's just really kicking ass. And all along I'm sitting there going, I'm an abusive marriage or I'm, um, you know, I feel lonely or I'm fat or, you know, whatever, all the things that we tell ourselves. And so I'm not feeling that success from the inside out. And I'm mm-hmm. looking at my life and I'm going, wow, like, well, you know, anything I've ever really asked for, you know, with, with, with my heart and with authenticity, I've been able to get in some way or another. Um, even if it was the things that I, you know, didn't think were so savory after all, (laughs) but they always, the greatest lessons came out of those things. So Mm -hmm. if I was to be in this place of faith and manifestation and energy and all those things that I started to learn, then it would, it only made sense to me that what was meant for me wouldn't miss me. Now, following that, I ended up going to Italy to shoot this wedding. Um, So it was in the same summer that I had that kind of revelation come to me. And um, it was the first time I think in a while that I had had such an audible voice come to me and I was laying in, you know, Puglia in the sea. My goodness. It was the most beautiful day. Um, (laughs) and I was sitting there and I was like in the water, um, the couple that I was shooting, they're also friends. Um, they were off doing whatever. And then there was a couple other friends that were with us and I was just by myself. I swam off by myself. And I just said, what do I need to hear right now? What do I need to hear right now? And I laid back, um, you know, on my back and let my body just float. And I heard out loud, don't look. And I was like, oh, look, okay. What what does that mean? And they said, don't look, don't look for the man. Don't look for the career. Don't look for this. Don't look for that. You know, this particular time is going to be short for you where you will get to experience the fullness of everything that you've ever wanted to try, make your mistakes fully, even, you know, fall on your face, like splat. <laughs> um, this is like kind of like this playground time, basically. Um, and make sure that you do it with the, your fullest uh, intention, because this time will be short. And I thought, I, then I asked, am I going to die? And they're like, no, <laughs> but you'll, <laughs> you'll have a relationship. You'll have these things or whatever. You won't be able to do things so freely anymore in this capacity. I thought, well, it's all relative to you, like time keepers, like (laughs) short for you could be 40 years, you know? And I'm sitting here thinking like, I I don't want to become an old maid. I want to be able to have kids and some, some, someday anyway. And, and I remember that so, so potently because then I started to think, okay, what's meant for me won't miss me then. If, if, if everything that I'm hoping for is on the other side of this particular time that they're talking about, then I need to learn my lessons to the fullest right now. I need to do whatever I need to try or, you know, play with anything that I have of interest um, while I'm still single, while I'm still childless and just, you know, roll with it and know that I'm not going to mess anything up. And so it gave me this insane freedom to just do whatever the fuck I wanted. So, I mean, and I went down, I went down some dark paths for sure. I went down a dating path where I went on like almost a hundred dates or something on purpose. Cause I was like, Oh, I'll write this book and I'll, you know, whatever. And, um, I recognized that this was this like massive 
you know, depressive mirror looking me in the face about all the rot that I felt about myself and how much I hated myself, um, to put myself one, you know, through this, but then I would attract people who would reflect that back to me, how much I hated myself because they would show me that hate, uh, upfront. Mm. And I was like, why do men always treat me like this? Or why do people always act like this? Or there's, you know, it's not in the cards for me kind of, you know, attitude. And it was more so just me continuing to attract into my life, the vibration of which I was, uh, emanating. And so when I was able to put myself in a place where I started to see, you go, oh, wait a minute, this is a huge pattern here. Maybe it's not them and maybe it's me. <laughs> and it was definitely them, but <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> me as well. We all played our role here. I started to, to learn that lesson. Um, out of that big lesson, I wrote a book. You know, uh, that book hasn't done anything popularly or not, but like, I know that the people who have read it have said, wow, this changed my life. And I was like, bet, okay, if it's changed two people's life, you know, then I'm happy. But more than anything, it changed mine. Like I channeled a big part of that book. And that was during that particular time where I was able to play and able to just to do whatever I wanted to do and say, okay, I'm going to like live life to the fullest with the mistakes included. I think when we come from the background that we come from, we think of our lives needing to always obtain this very specific type of perfection and this rigidity and this guilt. And I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And we like make a career of, you know, uh, you know, demunitizing ourselves. Like we're just sinners and we're just this and we're just that. And, and yet we have the weight of our world on our shoulders that we're meant to accomplish in some capacity or another. So <laughs> it was, it was an impossible task. Yeah. And to have that freedom to say, Hey, like you have this time period where you can just fuck around <laughs> and, <laughs> and just figure out your life. You know, like it was so valuable to me because now I'm, I'm, um, with, the best person ever. Like, just, I hope he hears me. Love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> the other room, um, taking care of my, my magical dream child. And, mm. you know, like I have two beautiful stepkids and this wonderful house and all this stuff. And, um, it's, it looks like, like, oh, wow, you manifested the dream life. And yes, I have. And at the same time, man, I'm really glad that I didn't waste time over here trying to be perfect or, trying to, you know, find, just pursue the man or not being able to really fully figure out who I was, because I would not appreciate where I am today. If I hadn't done that beforehand, I would be wishing I was on the other side. God, that, that feels so expansive. Thank you. It just, it just feels like, Oh, what a relief. Like yeah. to, to like, I, I, I wrote you down here. I'm this is, I'm going to quote you. It's, I'm going to fuck around and figure out my life. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you got that phase. I think that's, that's so important and how incredible that you not only heard that, but, but took, took that and said, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And you know, it sounds, it sounds very romanticized now, you know, in, in hindsight, but during, while I was going through it, it was really, really, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure there, there's just like everything. There's, there's so much life that happens within yeah. life, you know, <laughs> absolutely. All those layers. Absolutely. I have one final question for you real quick. And, uh, it's a question that my coach Madison Morgan asked on her podcast and I just love it. And that is, how do you know when you know how do you know when you know, like if you're making a decision or um, you have something you're going to do or yeah. work on, how do you know when you know? It's a beautiful question. Um, 
how do I put, I, I, I always often say, I want to say something concisely and, and don't end up doing so. So here we go. But I don't want it to be concise. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a energetic signature for me when I key into something of resonance. So a lot of times we make decisions thinking that we know something based off an expectation that we have. So um, is this the right house to buy? Okay. I expect that I, in this point in my life, I'd be in this kind of house. And so if our life doesn't, um, our life circumstances don't meet our expectation, we think we made the wrong decision. And oftentimes I've, I've learned that it's, it is not per our expectation being disappointed that we've made the wrong decision. Oftentimes when we choose something in the know, it is that we're, we're most likely going to get a lesson out of it or an upgrade of some sort. And so people who are, are fighting themselves about their intuition. Cause we talk a lot about intuition on our show, but, um, you know, for instance, I had this, this, this gut, like I knew that I was supposed to move to Paris. Like that was supposed to be what happened to me. Um, per, you know, me leaving New York a few years back. And I was like, I knew it. I asked for all the signs. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, I still feel that way about the place, but, um, there was all this, like all signs pointing towards yes. And when I, um, Got, applied for my visa. There was this weird time uh, mishap that was going on with my my lease versus when I was supposed to move. The lease ended earlier before I knew if I was going to get my visa or not. And so the landlords kept pressing me like, hey, you need to make a decision. And I was like, I need to get my visa first before I leave New York to know that I'm actually, I have, I can legally go live in Paris. So when that didn't, um, end up matching up, I said, okay, go ahead and let the apartment go. Like, I just know that I'm going to get this visa. So I let the apartment go and I sold all my stuff. I stayed in a, a friend's apartment for the remaining time. And finally my letter came in and I opened it and it said, I didn't get the visa. And I was like, I mean, my whole reality, it was like, you know, like just everything stopped. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I felt first I felt stunned. Cause I was like, what am I supposed to do now? I'm basically homeless. Um, so I have no other choice, but then to go back to Kansas city and which I said, I would never move back here at the time because, uh, being the spiritual cuckoo person that I was, I was like, there's no room for me there. Right. So I didn't fit in. Like, I was just like, I felt like I'd outgrown it or whatever. So, um, when I came back home, I had such a visceral, like another one of those kind of moments where I was like, you know, fuck my spirituality it led me in this place. And now I don't have any of my stuff anymore. And I'm not living here and I'm not living there. And blah, blah, blah. I was talking to my spirit guides and I was like, I felt betrayed. I feel like I knew, I knew that I knew that this was what was supposed to happen. And, and I felt like you tricked me because now here I am living in a friend's house, trying to figure my life out again, you know, and my spirit guides said out loud to me, First of all, they questioned my decision. Like, why did you want to move there in the first place? And all this kind of stuff or whatever. But <clears throat> they said, you know, we're sorry. We just knew that if we didn't essentially dangle Paris over my head, that I wouldn't leave New York. And they're like, you're not supposed to be in New York anymore. And we need you to leave. So that in, in that awareness of that, that intuition coming to me, I felt pissed. Cause I was like, man, fuck y'all. Like, if this is how it's going to be, like, I don't, I don't want like, mm -mm, I don't want anything to do with this again. I went through another atheist moment, a blip, a very small blip. <laughs> and then, um, my, my, I had this time, this year off where, oh, 
like it's only nine hundred dollars for an apartment here, not three grand. Oh, I don't have to do fourteen background checks. I can just here, here's my deposit. <laughs> like <laughs> I can go to you know buy groceries for twenty bucks, not for a hundred. You know, I started having these awarenesses about how easy it was to live in Kansas City, and I was like, oh man, like I'm actually getting to rest here. Hmm. All the while, I've been the reason I was trying to move to Paris in the first place is because in my eyes, I had seen that I thought American men don't like me. American men don't want to be with me. It'll be easier if I move to another country to be in a place where black women are seen as, you know, as a higher value, basically. Uh, women who are of size are even seen as a higher value. Um, so I thought for sure it wasn't going to happen in Kansas City where I grew up and where everybody has been like, you know, like they, they just, I never had luck dating here. Um, anyway, all the while, then I ended up meeting the love of my life who was based here. So I'm sitting here trying to manifest over and over and over. I want this partner. I want this. I want that. And spirit guides are like, eh, you know, we're trying to get you to go here, trying to get you to go there. Was I wrong? Because it didn't work out with Paris. And because like, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was supposed to move there. Or did I know that I know that I know that I was supposed to move. And <laughs> so there was like this interpretation thing happening or whatever. So anyway, through that lesson, the reason I told the whole story is because through that lesson, I got a chance to say, you know what? I wasn't wrong. And, and just because the expectation didn't turn out the way that I thought it should have, my intuition was always correct. I needed to leave. I, and I mm -hmm. followed that, that thing. And so when you, for me, and I got the chills saying that because <laughs> when you, when I know that I know that I know there's, there's this resonance, this energetic signature that shows up. That's like, okay, if I can, can get rid of my expectations of how, how I think it's going to happen if I see something in my future about what I think is going to happen, then I say, you know what, spirit, take your GPS. I'll sit in the passenger seat. You drive there. I'm a chill because mm -hmm. if I can, I, I understand that I know something is going to happen, but in my effort to control it through my expectations, I often ruin. Um, and I don't say ruin, like you're off path. I say ruin as in like, I make myself go through extra drama <laughs> <laughs> that I don't need to go through. Um, if yeah. I, if I had that trust that what was meant for me, wouldn't miss me in the first place. So mm. that's how I got to the, the, the space of like, okay, I know that this is what's supposed to happen. And it happened with the podcast. Um, mm. I came back from Colorado, Crested Butte, Colorado. And we had this very spiritual experience there and I came back home and, and, uh, it had been seven people that week that it said, you should start a podcast. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? I don't know. And I heard out loud spiritual shit. And I was like, yeah, that name will work. That's, that's my vibe. <laughs> that's me. Um, I asked a few friends about it and they were like, Oh no, I don't think it sounds a little negative or whatever. And I was like, nah, like this feels, I felt the energy. <laughs> it feels right. And then I have, you know, hundreds of people daily tell me I found your podcast because of the name. And I'm mm. like, yeah, I knew. <laughs> your, your whole, your whole energy is, is so expansive. Thank you what what an incredible gift like you coming to the universe and becoming yourself is thank you. because seeing seeing that and even just like what you've told me of your story coming from the background that you have to to being in the expansive space that you are with like these are some of the most expansive beliefs possible even even your answer of how do you know when you know was fucking expansive it made room <laughs> for literally everything and everyone that that is and long-winded <laughs> exactly what I wanted it's so it's so beautiful 
Thank you. So beautiful. Thank you so much for your time and for talking to me. It's been such a joy. Thank you, Christina, for having me on. I appreciate it. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about my life coaching services. If you are someone who is feeling uncertain about your purpose now that you've left religion or uncertain uh, about your personal values and struggling with your personal identity now that you have left, I would love to talk with you. I love working with people to help them understand their body's intuition and trust their own yes and no and figure out who they are now that they have the freedom to do so. It can be such an exciting and exhilarating experience and also a scary one, which is why I think support can be incredibly helpful. I am very gifted in helping people see what they are good at and what they are gifted in doing and contributing to the world. So if that sounds like you, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to christinamcarlson.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. You can schedule a free discovery call and we can talk about what we can work on together. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Religious Renegade podcast. Please like and subscribe to hear more. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Christina Carlson Life Coach. Thank you.